from all of this love we making Girl, it's not the alcohol I'm giving to you what I have in me I've honestly had one hell of a week Only supposed to go for just a drink And now I'm laying right here with you I'm giving to you what I have in me Hello everybody, it is your favorite host here to you kill it With a new episode of What the Fuck Am I Doing With My Life Um, it has been one week since you looked at me Um, no, uh, (laughs) God, I'm sorry (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, um, clearly smoked before I I press record here But, um, I'm gonna keep all that in there Uh, I... The last episode that um, I released was actually one that had been recorded quite some time prior. So um, it's been a while since I recorded a podcast. And so um, I know typically I do this whole thing where, you know, I, I talk about how so much has been going on and um, everything. And I mean, there has, you know, um, since, since I moved back into the Central Valley, I really just have had this focus in mind of um, one figuring out what's going to be the best kind of like life, like the lifestyle choices I'm going to make as far as like working. Um, I guess working more primarily than anything else. Uh, so me and my girlfriend who I've moved in with, um, you know, she's been doing really well. Uh, she changed jobs uh, actually when um, I moved into the, when I moved in. And uh, since then has actually got uh, a better job. And so, um, you know, really proud of her. And so for me, I've been trying to find a job that's going to work with the schedule that I need so that way none of this stuff ever gets forgotten about um, and that I can still do like my shows and things and, um, you know, just be able to have an actual work-life balance. That's been such a a huge thing for me. It's something that really, uh, you know, ruined me with the last um, employer that I worked for was that, was that there was no work-life balance. And for me, I, I, I know that like, of course, I want to get to a point where, you know, music pays my bills and therefore I don't have to work a, a job like that. But until that day comes, you know, I, I obviously have to have um, sources of income uh, coming in in order to do that, um, all while still keeping my life um, not, I guess, minimalist. I, I like I like using that word, but at the same time, I wouldn't consider myself a minimalist because um, sometimes that that they that line can get so close to just being cheap, you know, and, uh, I, I'm not necessarily a cheap person. And that's the thing I I try to be, I am, you know, I'm, I'm pretty frugal for the most part, I'd say, but, um, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely like times where I, I feel the need to splurge and, uh, I try to resist those urges as much as possible. Um, you know, and so, uh, keeping my, my wallet tight, uh, but also living a fulfilling life is kind of just been the overall basis of what I strive to achieve. And so, um, you know, I've definitely minimized myself, uh, to, you know, go off of the things that are, you know, uh, necessity and, um, indulging every now and then, uh, when I, when I have it, but, you know, I haven't really had it lately if I'm being honest. Um, and I, I've ran into difficulties with it, you know. I've ran into a lot of uh, difficulties with being able to find a, a suiting job, you know. Um, primarily looking more part time, uh, because I, again, you know, th- this isn't a full time job. 
you know what I mean? Uh, doing music and stuff like that. And as much as I would want it to be a full-time job at the same time, that, that also just comes with me being lazy. If I'm being honest, you know, I don't need to be, um, a musician seven days out of the week, 24 seven. Uh, and you know, like I really only need like a day or two to kind of, uh, make sure that I have designated to like, you know, Oh, if I need to do like, um, I need to record my podcast or, you know, content for social media. Like it's not something that requires seven days out of the week. And it, it would be nice to only have a couple days designated to doing that. Dude, if I could, I would take myself off social media now. You know what I mean? Um, social media is such a, it's such a prevalent part of being an artist. And so because of that, I have to be, um, engaged 24 seven, but, trust me, I, I really wouldn't if, if I could. So, um, and I mean, at a point where I could afford it, I, I would a thousand percent hire social media managers to manage it for me. So that way I wouldn't have to do it. The only reason why I don't do it now, because I don't have the money, nor do I have the following to really have somebody else, uh, be accountable for that, you know? Um, so by the time it would require it, I obviously at that point should have funds to be able to do it. You know, that's the, that's the goal. <laughs> um, but until then, I find myself, you know what I mean, with a lot of time on my hands. And I've really been thinking a lot about, you know, it's just so many different things. And uh, with all this time to kill in between. Well, I, I should say this, too. I did finally uh, get a job. Um, I still, even though I get the offer and everything, I don't feel secure yet because I did have another situation where another job actually fell out because the background check uh, ended up not coming back. And um, don't know why that happened. It's never happened before ever to me. So really weird. But. Yeah, so now I got a little bit of, you know what I mean, uh, a little bit of fear from that to where the, with this new job, I'm like, all right, y'all got to let me know when this thing processes so I know for sure when I'm starting. But, um, you know, nonetheless, I've just had a lot of time to think and, and really just putting my own shit together. And uh, I, I came across this video um, and uh, it was Rick Rubin. And uh, if you guys don't know who Rick Rubin is, he's a he's a very legendary producer. Um, he is more famously known as the producer of Thriller by Michael Jackson. Um, but he has done plenty of music. He's done, you know, like, uh, did like, uh, the Beastie Boys, uh, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. Um, and then, uh, what else? Uh, Jay-Z, actually, he did, uh, 99 Problems for Jay-Z. And so, you know, the... The range that that man has had over the decades of music and being able to transpire, he, he's a really awesome person and uh, very um, different, you know, if you ever like look into interviews and things, you know, he lives a very different lifestyle, but he's kind of the definition of like, you know, uh, somebody who has a minimalist life, you know, he really does like require not much at all and he has all this money, but, you know, that's why he's able to live off of doing what he's doing because he's minimized his life. So his expenses aren't, you know, too high, but he lives comfortably, you know? And so, um, I digress. I'm watching this clip on a uh, TikTok probably. And, uh, he starts talking about, um, the process of songwriting and he talks about, you know, artists, like, I think he was talking about being in the studio with, uh, the lead singer Foo Fighters. And, um, he was talking about how like what the like what the what he did was, 
you know, once like the the production was playing, like the beat was playing, he goes in there and he lays down his vocals and he's literally just like doing a melody, just humming a melody and then eventually filling it in with the words and what he felt like worked there. And, um, you know, when when he was explaining it, you know, the people around are like, wow. Oh, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I thought for the most part, like pretty much every like songwriter does that. Um, but he said something that was a little bit more, I guess, interesting uh, was because he said, you know, filled it in with the words. It worked out. And he said he didn't even know what the song was about when it was finished. You know, you, you use something and in the whole process of it all to name the song. And that's true. I, you know, I, I do the same thing. Like I said, I, I don't really think about the concept of it. I just kind of go with, I guess, what I feel as far as words wise and just kind of throw it all together. That's why everything kind of just comes together so naturally because I just so I feel so inclined. And um, and he was like, sometimes you won't know the definition of a song until, you know, uh, he was like, after it's done. He was like, sometimes not even after it's done. He's like, it could be years down the road before that person understands what that song is about. And that really like resonated with me. I, uh, I kind of was like, whoa, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And the reason why that last part really did was because I felt that way with, uh, Jameson, um, the song that played at the beginning of this episode. Um, it is, it's one of those songs, you know, I wrote that, I wrote that song probably back in. 2015 2016 somewhere in there and uh when i wrote it right it was already a different song it was a it was a different different sound than anything else i had ever done um and i kind of i kind of knew something you know cuz i i always tend to write things in double and triple entendres um, I love entendres. <laughs> it's it's my it's kind of my favorite thing to do. Anytime I can I can double mean something I say or triple mean something I say. Um, it really, to me, adds to the creativeness and the the art that is songwriting. Because then what you start to get is different perceptions of the same exact song or the same exact phrase and verse and everything. And so when I initially wrote Jameson, I I knew that I wanted it to be a love song that had to deal with alcohol. Um, You know, at this time, I was a I was a pretty big drinker. And so Jameson, it still is my whiskey of choice. And um, so, you know, I kind of created this love song to Jameson. But when you listen to the lyrics, you don't necessarily think about it as like, a love song to Jameson. You think about it as like, um, Jameson really led me to this, this night of, um, being with somebody who, you know, I was not intentionally putting myself there out there to be. Um, but I did know this when I wrote it, I, I remember talking to my, uh, my dear friend, Alex, uh, AKA the mime, AKA Iyer. EPMI, all that. Um, and I remember when I was talking to him about it and I even said, you know, this song still has a deeper meaning about the, the troubles of alcoholism. And uh, 
I wrote that just because I had read the lyrics back. You know what I mean? Like when I when I run through the song, like I'll read the lyrics back and it's full and I'll be like, oh, you know what this could mean? It could mean this. Um, and that's what I was saying. But then I really, you know, obviously I went through the things that I've gone through in the past, you know, several years. And I realized now that that song was a cry for help. Um, at the time, I, I was a heavy drinker, you know. And um, it was something that literally was something I would look forward to. You know, I would, I was working so hard um, and feeling so unfulfilled with the work that I was doing that I allowed myself to really um, get involved in that. You know, I was at, I was at bars every day. I wasn't working. Um, pretty much one specific bar too, and you know, I I grew a really great friendship, and um, I, I made a lot of memories <laughs> in bars. And so, you know, when when you when you look at that, like, it, it's hard because I I feel like when when I have this conversation out loud, it's I feel like I'm calling myself an alcoholic, and I don't. And I, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what that, because what does that mean? You know, it means something so different to so many people. And, and I feel like there's so many people who would look at how I lived during that time. And, you know, some people would say, yeah, you were an alcoholic or other people would just be like, nah, because, you know, you still handled your shit. And it's like, but did I, but did I, I mean, think about how much money I was making during that time and how much was getting spent into something that was not benefiting me. Like, that's a problem. I made it a, a financial problem. If I wasn't drinking that heavily, maybe a lot of my financial woes would have never existed because I would have been more, you know, clear thought in a lot of ways. I wouldn't have spent money that I couldn't afford to really spend. And that money could have went towards a, a, a numerous amount of things. I, I do remember at one point looking and realizing I was spending damn near a second rent on alcohol. Like, that's absurd. You know, um, but that's a whole deeper meaning, you know, it, it's not, it wasn't necessarily about alcohol itself, um, more than it is about vices and me, you know, I've always known myself to have a very addictive personality. So when I like something, I overindulge in it. I don't know how to take things in healthy rations. And that, that goes for a lot of things, right? That's not, that's, again, that's so much deeper than just alcohol. And um, so I had to learn, you know, I had, I had zero self-control in a lot of, in a lot of things. And um, so when I listened to that song back, you know, Jameson, and I love the song, it's a very lighthearted song. And I love that it's always going to give that feel good vibe. Um, it's a cry for help. <laughs> like I really I I know that like I know that I wanted it to 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 feel like smiles on the surface. Um but like you know you really you really start to kind of um you really start to kind of break down the feeling of like times when you're like 
at your highs and times when you're at your lows, you know. Um, there have been times like I've gotten a DUI before and, you know, I don't really talk about that too much, but I have. And, uh, you know, luckily only once. And the time that I did wasn't a time, honestly, was not the worst time that I had driven under the influence. And so when I had gotten it, it triggered in my head exactly how much I was outside of the law, (laughs) um, at other times. And so I take that very serious now, but you know, at the time and, um, going through these things, man, like you, you feel a lot of shame, you know, I'd have these nights of overindulging and getting blackout drunk and feeling okay with, I'm not feeling okay, but just blaming it on drunk Tino and leaving it at that. And, um, you know, you have to understand that when you do things, even under the influence that you are held accountable for those mistakes. And, um, I had a hard time with that. I had a really, really hard time with that. And so of course it was really hard for me to, to look at Jameson, the song and, and look at it in that light because I didn't want to, I didn't want to think that I was the premise of this song. I didn't want to think that I was the person who was airing out himself because of course I wasn't right. I put it in a very, in a very positive mindset. I put it in double and triple entendres because again, it gives you that much distance from who I am, right? Like, hey, girl, let's come back to my place. You know what I mean? We've had some drinks and now we're leading to this, that and the other. And you know what I mean? Tomorrow, I'm probably going to regret all of this. And, um, you know, that was a that was kind of a tough thing to address, you know, and uh, really accept about myself. And um, knowing that the because ultimately the thing that really changed my whole mindset, right? Um, I've had, I've had a few encounters where, you know, I am out drinking and next thing you know, like I've had too many, I I can't drive back. I got to leave my car somewhere. And then next thing you know, like, um, the shit that I get myself into after that is, is the stuff that it's like, I had to stop. Like I talk about like, you know, like when you look back on all these stories that I've given about like. Um, Jersey, uh, Portland, you know what I mean? Uh, Seattle. Um, and I mean, all these are episodes that I did and, you know, I, I talk about them now in a very lighthearted manner because it, I, again, I had to grow acceptance, you know, um, there's a lot of good things that came out of that, you know, and, and I know that sounds so bad to say, and that's why it was so hard for me to admit that it was a problem, you know, like, um, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell this story, right? Uh, so another tattoo story, I have, uh, I have these two like Friday the 13th, um, tattoos that, uh, that I got and, um, I got them in San Leandro at the time I was working in San Leandro. And so I had went with a buddy of mine and we were hitting up this tattoo spot that, you know, um, he knew the people that worked there. And so we, we went, we chilled there for, you know, hours on a Friday, like midday. So, um, we had some time to kill before it was our turn to, 
um, get the tattoos. And so um, there was a bar right down the street. And I head up there, uh, me and my boy. And I, th- I think we met up with like one other person there. And uh, so we're just at this bar chilling, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, more people start kind of coming in during like a, like early happy hour or some shit. And um, I start and I, and I go to the bar and I get this, uh, I get a drink or I get a beer. I'm standing there and uh, this dude next to me sees my, uh, my hand tattoo, which is the, the Raider logo. And he was like, um, he was like, oh, you got to be a pretty big Raider fan to have one of those. And uh, I was like, yeah, man. Uh, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm a pretty big Raider fan. He was just like, who's your who's your favorite player? And I was just like, you know, it's it's funny you ask. And I said, because my personal favorite player probably isn't the most relevant, nor probably the one that most people would say. And I said, but for me, it was Jack Tatum. And uh, he was like what and i was just like yeah jack tatum and the assassin like he was a free safety you know what i mean dude was a badass and uh he was like hold the fuck on goes grabs his buddy comes up he's like hey man tell him again he was like what he was like who would tell him what you just told me and i was like about my favorite player he's like yeah and i said oh my favorite player is uh jack tatum and he was just like bro that's my fucking dad and uh I'm like, what? So like I start sitting here and I start having this whole entire conversation with this dude and uh his and like his buddy who happened to be Jack Tatum's son and uh he starts telling me about, you know, kind of the final days uh that Jack Tatum lived and um, you know, told me that he was surrounded by family and people that he loved and told me how good of a father he was. You know, he was a he showed a lot of tough love, but he was loving very loving and he cared a lot. Um, and so it was a really, it was a really heartfelt moment. Um, I mean, pretty long, you know, we were there for a couple hours, a few hours and I'm sitting there just, you know, talking with this guy and, you know, we, we started buying each other beers and shit. We're just, we're just talking, you know, it was crazy. And, um, that, that right there is really an experience that I'll never forget. You know what I mean? Because that, that is my favorite my favorite Raiders player. I met him when I was like eight years old. I, I, at, at the time of this recording, the picture that I'm staring at right in front of me is actually the picture that I got autographed by Jack Tatum. I've kept it since I was eight years old. And uh, it's it's a moment I'll never forget. You know, when I met him and then when I met his son, like X amount of years later. Um, But the reason why I mentioned that story is because I was also drinking at like 12 or 1 p.m. on a Friday, a random Friday. And uh, I'm not trying to shame anybody who drinks during the day or anything like that. But the thing is, that was a very common occurrence for me. Like I said, anytime I wasn't working, I was drinking. And um, so I know for a long time it was really hard for me to stare at something like that and even try to consider it a problem. Um, but like I said, when you factor in how much it was financially hurting me, um, the fact that I was doing it pretty much as a um, coping mechanism for dealing with you know stress and overwhelmed feelings of work, um, to just, you know... Also, what it inevitably ended up doing to my health, which is what 
you know, kind of was a, a huge catalyst in me getting an ulcer in 2020 and had to change a lot of my dietary habits and things like that. And I'm glad I found it when I did, you know what I mean? Because some people will, you know, will literally drink themselves to death. And, um, you know, I have family members who have suffered from alcoholism and, you know, it's something that kind of runs pretty deep in my family, if I'm being honest. And so, you know, it, it really takes just that for myself to, to get involved and, and to feel super, you know, consumed by it. And I do remember a certain conversation with me and my dad had, where my dad was really attacking me about it. And, um, I wasn't really reciprocating of it because it came off as, as such a judging thing, you know, um, I'm always said I was at the time more specifically, I was, I was a very prideful person. And so I definitely wouldn't have admitted that I had a problem then. So I would have, I would have listed every single way in which I proved that this isn't a problem because I, I do this, that, and the other. So that makes it to where this is okay. Um, and ultimately it's not man, because I look at now, you know, and, uh, again, Financially, not nearly what uh, I used to be um, as far as like figures and what I was making. But I've simplified my life now to where I don't need to make that much money in order to live comfortably. And because of that now, when I look at the money that I used to make, I know exactly how much of it that I'm spending or I was spending. And it was more than I was making. So the fact that I even got my expenses to be that high just shows just how much I was overcompensating for my work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was spending more than what I was making just because I needed to keep numbing the pain of not wanting to work. So the days that I wasn't working, I was indulging in everything that would make me forget about it. Um, and yeah, man, Jameson in the midst of that was written as this experimental acoustic <laughs> like, you know, um, R&B, yeah, R&B meets singer songwriter type of kind of thing that I was trying and I, and I didn't even know how I was going to sing it. And even how the recording sounds now is, is different than how I sing it. And so, um, you know, this song has really gone through a journey of its own because again, from the time that I wrote it to the time now, when I, when I listen to it, I, I see so many more deeper meanings to it. And, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I love, I love that song, you know? And, um, and I think that that's why very similar to the story, right? Um, Drinking is a was an evil that kind of consumed my life for quite quite a few years. Um, but I'm not gonna forget the good memories that it brought me because that's what I should hold on to from it. Sure, I can sit here all day and talk about the ways in which it quote unquote ruined my life. Um, but unfortunately, I can't change that. I, I can't change that I overindulged for so long and spent as much money in bars as I did. Um, but what I can do is acknowledge that it was a problem. And by moving forward, being able to identify that I don't fall down that path again. 
Um, and that requires me being honest with myself um, and being surrounded by a, a support system that will also remind me when, I, when I'm getting out of line, you know, and, um, and I, without getting into too much detail about it, you know, me and my girlfriend went through a, a situation with that, you know what I mean? There was a night where I ended up overindulging to try to compensate for how I was feeling. And, um, it really led to a, to a, you know, kind of a bad time that night. And it's something that, you know what I mean? I can sit here and apologize for, but it doesn't change that it happened. And so, um, I've realized that, you know, so all I can really do is take accountability for my actions, um, and then move on, you know, and it's how you move on. That's more important because you don't just go, sorry. Okay. Move on. <laughs> it, it's more of a, I need to acknowledge how I allowed myself to do this, how I allowed myself to get to this, um, so I can make sure that I don't do it again. And, uh, you know, by doing that now, I have definitely, you know, feel like I've made a lot more um, better decisions on that. You know, I definitely don't drink as much as I used to, but I still enjoy what I enjoy. You know what I mean? I love beers. And, um, you know, so I'm getting to the point where it's like, I still love my Modellos, but you know, I, I like some craft beers, you know, I do like some craft beers and especially cause you know, it's starting to get cooler now, like IPAs and stuff tastes really good when it's cold. Um, and, uh, you know, I love, I love Jameson. I love whiskey. So I'm not going to let the fact that I used to have problems with what I used to consume before, um, dictate how I live my life now. I'm not going to completely stay away from alcohol because I felt like I couldn't control it, you know, cause now I feel like I can. Um, and again, I'm, I'm surrounded with enough support and influences around me that, um, if I were to slip down a path of that again, um, they would tell me, um, but I, I'm usually pretty self-critical, you know what I mean? I, I, I do a pretty, <laughs> I feel like I do a pretty fair job of holding myself accountable for things. Um, but I could always get better. And this is definitely one of those areas in which I can get better, you know, and keep getting better. So, um, as I put myself in more like, uh, social settings and, you know what I mean? I'm able to drink without, um, going overboard. Uh, that's where I show that I have control. Cause that's before where I couldn't do it. You know, again, I get myself in these social settings and just numb myself. Um, so that, you know what I mean? It's came with new things that I've learned about it myself. You know, that's why I don't like, uh, like, you know, you, anybody who used to like follow me on Snapchat <laughs> back like five, six years ago would see how, you know, my shit was just crazy. I was out every weekend. I was fucking going here. I was going there. You know what I mean? Balling all this shit, dude. And people would always tell me like, yo, you were doing the most, most, you know? And, um, I was, you know, because I, I really felt like I needed to. And now I, I don't, man. I'm like, I'm only 30 years old, man, but I'm in bed by like 10 p.m. Like down there every night. You know what I mean? It's like once the once the sun goes down, so do I. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, and that goes for every day, including weekends. You know, I don't really have any reason to be out hitting the clubs and doing. I don't I don't desire to do that anymore. And, you know, so it's like even now when I do go into those social settings, I, I almost just want to get myself out of there. Like, I'd rather I'd rather be kicking it with all my friends. You know what I mean? All the people who I want to be around, like, and, and every now and then, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mind us going out and doing something like we, we plan our, our general events. Like 
a few times out the year where, you know, we go out and do something extravagant and I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? But I definitely don't require doing that every weekend. And fortunately, (laughs) my friend group, we've all kind of grown into that pretty much around the same time. So we're all at that point now where we all kind of live our own lives and do different things, but we all still come together for, you know, uh, get togethers, uh, holidays and things like that. So that's all I require, man. I've, I feel like I've, I've reached my fulfillment. I just need to financially be where I need, where I want to be. Um, and to be honest, <laughs> that's the easiest part. And, and I know that I say that while not having a job, but ultimately it's the, it's the easiest part. Because now I have the capacity that when I go there and I, and I get my money back, I'm not going to be spending it on on stupid things or, you know, pissing it down the toilet doing X, Y, and Z. Like, I, I'm going to be able to actually um, create a stability for myself and for my business, you know, because I do have these dreams and aspirations and that don't stop. You know what I mean? And so because it doesn't stop, it requires me to stay focused. So um, it doesn't mean I can't, you know, indulge in things. Right. But it's it's having self-control and uh, not letting vices and things that aren't important um, consume me. Yeah. So before I uh, end this out, I would like to go ahead and play the song that I've pretty much premised this whole entire episode around. Uh, So without further ado, this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is Jameson. All I really need in this life is sin. A man and his thoughts with some Jameson. I can't even count what shot I'm on. So baby, don't let me leave here alone. Uh, we're running out of time. I'm about to black out. Let's turn out the lights. Baby, take my hand if the moment feels right. And we be making love until the daytime. But hold up, hold up. Parts of me started fading. Hola, hola, from all of this love we making Girl, it's not the alcohol I'm giving to you what I have in me I've honestly had one hell of a week Only supposed to go for just a drink And now I'm laying right here with you I'm giving to you what I have in me I've honestly had one hell of a week only supposed to go for just a drink And now I'm laying right here with you Maybe what you do is one of a kind The feeling that you give is hard to find Thinking to myself how you can be mine Remind me again when it's over Your talent astounding, your ass is well-rounded Swimming in a pool and currently I am drowning Moving with the waves, you knew you had me surrounded Higher than the tide, but your body keeping me grounded now Hold up, hold up, parts of me started fading Hold up, hold up, from all of this love we making Girl, it's not the alcohol I'm giving to you what I have in me I've honestly had one hell of a week Only supposed to go for just a drink And now I'm laying right here with you to you what I have in me I've honestly had one hell of a week Only supposed to go for just a drink And now I'm laying right here with you You know, this is like the perfect time for one of them like call and response type of deals Where it's like I say something and then y'all repeat it back with me 
Let's give it a try. All I need, a bottle I can drink. Girl, I love your body, I can stare at your physique. Baby, this was fun, but there are your keys. Leave your number at the door and I'll call you next week. See, all I need, a bottle I can drink. Girl, I love your body, I can stare at your physique. Baby, this was fun, and there are your keys. Leave your number at the door and I'll call you next week. All I really need in this life is sin. This is Tino Kilde signing off from another episode of What the Fuck Am I Doing With My Life?